Well, it's August here at Red, which means that it's August Pledge Drive. So if you call Red home, we'd love you to pray about seeding the next season as we pledge our next 12 months of giving. So if you're not giving, you can start giving, you can continue your current giving, or if you feel the Lord leading you, you can increase your giving. So head to the Red Connect page, click on the pledge tile, and pledge what you're going to give in the next 12 months as we seed the next season of what God is doing here at Red. Hi, thanks for joining us for this message from Red Church in Melbourne, Australia. We pray that you're blessed by it. If you'd like to know more about Red Church or its ministries, or if you'd like to support us financially, you can find out more by heading to Connect. Well, hello, my name's Trudy and I'm one of the pastors here at Red Church and it's an absolute joy to bring today's message. We are currently in a series called Our Lives, His Vision. And in this series, we are essentially unpacking Red's discipleship philosophy of abiding with Jesus being renewed by Jesus and going with Jesus. And last week, Mark introduced the vision for going with Christ and how Red is called to go with Christ as we go pursue to walk with Christ in the next season. Today, I will continue to share what Scripture says about going with Christ. So let's go straight away to a verse in Isaiah chapter 52, verse 1. Awake, awake, Zion. Clothe yourself with strength. Put on your garments of splendour, O Jerusalem, the holy city. So going with Christ, this is essentially about mission. Now you may be experiencing a range of emotions or thoughts about the idea of going on mission. Some of you already are so enthusiastic and raring to go and love the idea of just sharing your faith with people on the street, your friends, your family, so many social connections, and you're always looking and watching where you can be sharing Jesus with others. Some of you, however, may be feeling some hesitancy, some doubts. You may never have had an opportunity to share Christ before. Some of you may be feeling overwhelmed or confused or what's my calling? What is my, um, how am I to go with Jesus? The scripture has an answer. God has an answer for you. And today I want to talk about going with Christ and I want to talk about clothes. These garments that are mentioned in Isaiah chapter 52, verse 1, the verse that I just read. So there's more of of that in a moment, but let's just get into the mood of thinking about clothes um, with some quotes I found on a search I did about clothing. They're quite random and some are written by anonymous writers. Um, I trust you'll enjoy them. So here's one I found. Life's too short to wear boring clothes. 
Never underestimate the power of a good outfit on a bad day. This one is by Isaac Singer. What a strange power there is in clothing. Every day is a fashion show and the world is a runway. I particularly like this one. Dress like you're going somewhere better later. And this one is key. This one is written by Rachel Zoe, who is a, a famous uh, stylist for celebrities. And she wrote, style is a way to say who you are without having to speak. Style is a way to say who you are without having to speak. More on that one later. So why are we talking about clothes in a sermon about going with Jesus? Because when you go out, you dress up. You need the right outfit for the right purpose. So let's dig into scripture and what it means to go with Christ. Christ promises us that he is with us as we go and make disciples. Last week, Mark shared from Matthew 28, the Great Commission, where Jesus instructs his disciples to go and make disciples in all nations and said, and surely I am with you to the ends of the age. So he is with us when we go. We go with Christ in his ministry to preach the good news and to bring his healing. This is key. This is what this whole series is about. It's our lives, but his vision, his vision for you in your life. It's his ministry. We find Jesus in Luke chapters 4, verses 18 to 19, and he is in the synagogue and he's actually quoting from Isaiah and he's describing what his ministry is to bring healing, bring his healing and to preach the good news. The spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. So when we go, Christ is with us and we go with his ministry. It's really clear and important that we're all aware right from the start that your going will be contested. Why is our going contested? Well, it's quite simple. The enemy has been defeated and he knows his time is running out. He does not want to see the kingdom of God expand to the ends of the earth. Jesus has become our righteousness through his death and resurrection. His sacrifice has covered our sin and shame. We can now be reconciled to God. This is good news. This is good news to a broken and dying world. 
That's why it's contested. That's why the enemy doesn't want us to go. How does the enemy interfere with our going? By telling us lies about ourselves. You might be familiar with some of these lies. You're not worthy. You're not really good enough. You're not as talented as this person. You could insert the blanks. You're too old. You're too young. What if you lose your friends? What if you lose your family? You'll be lonely, exhausted. You need help too. No one will respect you. There's also a very dangerous lie. Are you really renewed? The enemy wants us to believe that we are stuck. The enemy wants us to take our focus away from God and look at ourselves. When we look at ourselves, we're in danger of agreeing with those lies. And we can get stuck in shame and pride. And fear becomes the result. Fear is in fact the biggest obstacle to our going. This can either hinder our going or make the going about ourselves. So how do we go when we're actually feeling powerless, when we're realistically not in control? Particularly in a time of increasing pressure on Christians and in a time of constant change and uncertainty. Where we are going, sorry, where we have our spiritual eyes will determine the fruit of our going. This is an invitation for you today. Will you choose, will we choose to focus on God or ourselves? Will we choose to focus on God or ourselves? Let's return to Isaiah chapter 2 verse 1. And I'm going to read on to verse 2. Awake. Awake, Zion, clothe yourself with strength. Put on your garments of splendour, Jerusalem, the holy city. The uncircumcised and defiled will not enter you again. Shake off your dust, rise up, sit enthroned, O Jerusalem. Free yourself from the chains on your neck, O captive daughter of Zion. What does Isaiah mean by this? In a time when Jerusalem was in captivity by the Babylonians, the Lord told the prophet Isaiah to instruct the people to arise, not to lie around grieving, but to awake, arise and clothe themselves in the mighty power of the Lord, to clothe themselves in strength. Jerusalem is to wake up and be free from the captivity and put on her garments of splendour which are the priestly and the royal robes, which belong to Jerusalem as a holy city, the holy city that the Lord has anointed her to be.
at the start of this year, the Lord brought my attention to this verse. I began to see other references to clothing in Isaiah and the call to be clothed in strength, in God's power. Now, there are a lot of references to clothing in the Bible. There are references to even how God himself is clothed. Psalm 104 describes how God has clothed himself to display his glory. It says, O Lord, my God, you are very great. You are clothed with splendour and majesty. He wraps himself in light as with a garment. In this time, we are in a season where God is taking us somewhere new. And there is a strong sense that God is wanting to clothe his people with strength. We need his mighty power. We need his strength like never before. This is a word from the Lord to be clothed with strength in this time. He's also wanting his people to display his glory. He's calling his people to put on the garments of splendour to display his glory. Mark said in his talk about renewal that what if God is wanting to change the power source because of where he's taking us in the next season? We need his clothes of strength. There is a purification in the church at this time. God is reminding the church of our priestly role and our commissioning to be a priesthood of all believers, to put on our priestly robes and to carry his presence in the world. So the key message today is that God wants to clothe you for his purpose. This is the main thing that God wants to say today is that God wants to clothe you for his purpose. What does the Bible say about clothing? Let's look at, delve straight into, look at Genesis chapter 3. And in Genesis chapter 3, we find the first reference to God clothing people when he clothed Adam and Eve. Starting at verse 6, when the woman saw the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realised they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God God, Lord God, as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? He answered, I hid you. I, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The Lord God made garments for, of skin for Adam 
and his wife and clothed them. See, Adam and Eve realised they were naked. They actually realised they had sinned. They were filled with shame and they hid. They then tried to clothe themselves. Verse 21 says, God clothed Adam and Eve with garments of skin. See, only God could cover their nakedness and shame. Adam and Eve couldn't do it. They couldn't, even though they tried to clothe themselves. Only God could cover their sin. Only God could clothe them. We also see in Scripture that clean clothes represent purity. In Exodus chapter 3, we read about Moses on Mount Sinai and how the people of God were instructed to wash their clothes in preparation for God's presence to come. And here we see clothing as consecration. The Lord said to Moses, I'm going to come down, come to you in a dense cloud so that the people will hear me speaking with you and will always put their trust in you. Then Moses told the people, Lord, sorry, then Moses told the Lord what the people had said. And the Lord said to Moses, Go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow. Have them wash their clothes and be ready by the third day, because on that day the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai in the sight of the people. In verse 14 we read, And after Moses had gone down the mountain to the people, he consecrated them and they washed their clothes. Moses is instructing here the people to consecrate themselves for the presence of the Lord to come down the mountain on the third day. He told them to wash their clothes. We are also called to be clothed in Christ. We are given his robe of righteousness. In the New Testament, We no longer need to wash our clothes literally, just as Moses had told the people to wash their clothes because of what Christ has done through his gift of grace. Through his sacrifice and blood poured out for us on the cross, Christ has covered our sin and shame once and for all. So when we put our faith in Christ, we are given a clean robe of righteousness. We put on Christ's robe of righteousness and our hearts are made pure and clean. It says in Galatians 3, you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who were baptised into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. When we are clothed with Christ, we are set apart as belonging to Christ. Some of you today might need to hear that again, that you are clothed with Christ. You're set apart for him because of what he's done for you. And we need to be reminded of that today. He has made us clean 
He's made us clean once and for all. And when Christ looks at you, he sees you as clean. Throughout this series of our lives, his vision, we've been a number of times, John 15, the passage in John 15, the vine and the branches has been shared. It's a key passage for abide when you go. Jesus is the vine and we are the branches. We have been grafted into the vine. When we belong to Christ, we have union with Christ in the vine. And John 15 verse 3 says, You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. So as I've just spoken about this robe of righteousness to be clothed in Christ, when we first put our trust in Christ, we are given this robe and we are God's child from that moment on. And this is what John 15, 3 is referring to. You are already clean because of the word I've given you. The verse before that, verse 2, says we are pruned for greater fruitfulness. The Greek word for he prunes can also read he cleans for greater fruitfulness. So here we have a clean rope of righteousness, but the concept here is that idea of being cleaned for greater um, usefulness or fruitfulness. So when we daily abide, when we are renewed by Jesus, we are putting on clean clothes as we go out daily. Daily renewal enables us to bear more fruit. We can't bear fruit apart from the vine. I'm not sure about you, but washing clothes literally is a daily chore for me. How many of you, I'm sure if you're a a family of more than one, would find this a regular, if not daily, chore? But there's quite a good satisfaction that once you've got a fresh set of clothes, they usually smell nice. They have a beautiful fragrance about them. My 10-year-old twin boys have actually commented commented recently that they've noticed that different families have different unique smells or their own fragrance. um, I've always, you might have your own theories as to why this is so. Um, I have always put it down to it might be the brand or the type of washing powder they use or the perfumes they may have or deodorant. Uh, But, yeah, I've always thought about the washing powder in that sense. So we wash clothes daily, but we also need to have our spiritual clothes washed daily through abiding. And, And this fragrance, I've been thinking about this fragrance as we wash clothes daily. And there is a scripture in a verse in Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, it's actually uh Uh, 2, chapter 2, verse 15, it says, For we are to God the pleasing aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. So as we abide, as we are renewed by him, as we are transformed into the image of Christ, we carry his aroma, we carry his fragrance. Our clean clothes carry his fragrance. And just as... We've identified that different families have their own smell, their own fragrance rather, beautiful fragrance. Wouldn't it be wonderful 
if our church carries this fragrance, if you carry that fragrance and we're carrying that fragrance out into the world, we need fresh clothes daily. Not only do we need fresh clothes daily, we actually need new clothes for a new season because of where God's taking us and what he's doing in the next season. Now, I do like clothes, I must admit, and I do get excited when the new season clothes come into shops or stores, if you call them that. Um, I, I don't know about you, but when at the end of winter, I am pretty tired of wearing the same jumpers, uh, the same tops. And no doubt, if you've been in a time of lockdown um, in your homes, you are tired of the same cardigan, the same clothes you're wearing around the clerk. So new, new clothing for a new season is an exciting thing. There's a newness, there's a freshness. Dara and Rosane from Garden Church uh, shared a message at the start of, uh, start of this year in January and he spoke about consecration. And he said a line that has really stayed with me. He said, holiness is God calling his people for usefulness. God is up to something he spoke about. And where God is taking us, he's calling us for greater usefulness. And he's calling us for greater holiness. So we need new clothes for a new season. I was also excited when Rob Rima uh, spoke about, he spoke of Red a few weeks ago on renewal and he compared the process of renewal with emptying a suitcase of dirty clothes before we can fill our suitcase with, suitcase with clean new clothes, which is the freedom and fullness of the life of Christ. So we need to refill our suitcases with clean clothes for the new thing God is doing. What clothes do you need to take out for where we're going? Now, every great outfit needs a great pair of shoes. So here I want to talk about don't forget your shoes when you're going with Christ on mission. It wouldn't be a sermon on clothing without a mention of Ephesians 6, where Paul describes the armour of God. He compares the armour worn by Roman soldiers with the armour and how God clothes you or clothes us. This is particularly symbolic of clothing of strength. In this passage, we see... There is a helmet of salvation God gives us to protect our mind and our thoughts. There is a breastplate of righteousness as we carry the character of Christ. The character of Christ is our greatest defence. The belt of truth is described as the word of God is our protection. We have the shield of faith, to protect us against fear and lies of the enemy. We have our, the sword of the spirit, the power of the spirit, 
with us as we go. And, and we also have the shoes, which are described as the shoes of readiness that come from the gospel of peace. Now, I'm not sure about you, if, if you've prayed this armour of God on in the past, I certainly have. I particularly have prayed on the armour when I'm going out and I, I am mindful of the need of God's protection and the awareness of God with me. But in the past when I've prayed this, I've often prayed on all the elements of the armour, but I've quickly prayed on, oh, and yes, I need the, the shoes, without realising really the depth and the importance of these shoes. I've been thinking about the definition. You see, it says we need the shoes of readiness. And when you think about the definition of readiness, there's words like willingness, enthusiasm, preparedness. There's a preparedness that goes before us being propelled out with our shoes on ready for mission. And we are prepared to go through our abiding and being renewed. And then, of course, as we go, as we go out with these shoes, our abide and renew which sustains our going. This can be a seasonal rhythm of being prepared for a new assignment or abide when you go can happen instantaneously in the moment. So we have shoes, it describes shoes of readiness. It also says that come from the gospel of peace. And when we think about the definition around what the gospel of peace is, the peace described here is, is the peace that Jesus says. It's not Peace as the world gives, but peace as he gives is different. He brings shalom, completeness, wholeness. So as we go out, as we have encountered the gospel of peace, we go out with that, that enthusiasm to run with the gospel of peace because the readiness comes from our encounter with the gospel of peace. In Romans 10 and also Isaiah 52, it says, How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. In Isaiah 52, it's describing a messenger that is actually running barefoot over a mountain to bring and proclaim good news has come and that this runner is actually running from the scene of a battle. And the runner is coming and declaring there is peace, there's good news, there's victory. This runner is running with zeal and victory, with the news of victory. You can imagine them running with such fervour and joy. We too are to put on our shoes to run with fervour and joy. We have good news. This is how we're called to run. Let's pray for those that we walk to, that we bring good news to, will see our feet as beautiful. Let's not forget our shoes to sustain us, to give us endurance, to propel us out with readiness. And finally, we wait on the Lord to be clothed with power from on high. Luke 24 
verse 20, 49 says, Jesus tells his disciples to wait for the promised Holy Spirit. He says, I'm going to send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. The disciples were instructed to wait for the Holy Spirit to clothe them in power before they were sent out on mission. The disciples had to wait in the city to be clothed, to be clothed in strength, to be clothed with the mighty power of the Lord. So just as the disciples had to wait in the city to be clothed with power, we too must wait to be clothed with God's power, to be clothed with his strength. Red Church is called to be carriers of his presence in the world. We are set apart for his purpose. Just as Adam and Eve tried to clothe themselves, we need to stop trying to clothe ourselves and go in our own strength. We need to wait on God to clothe us for his purpose in his strength and splendour, his power and his righteousness. We need to be clothed in Christ so the world sees Christ and not us. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. I want to finish with a hymn that's written by William Booth in the late 1800s. William Booth is a hero of justice and mission. He had a, a burning heart to bring the good news to those who are lost and to care for the poor. He founded the Salvation Army, a church sent out on mission. And I want to read you the verse, um, two verses to end that come from, you're maybe familiar with, um, a song called Send the Fire. I think it's really, they're really powerful verses and sum up that we need the fire of the Holy Spirit to be propelled out, to wait for his fire, for mission. We can't do this without him. Tis fire we want, for fire we plead. Send the fire, send the fire, send the fire. The fire will meet our every need. Send the fire, send the fire, send the fire. For strength to ever do the right, for grace to conquer in the fight. For power to walk the world in white, send the fire, send the fire send the fire. To make our weak hearts strong and brave, send the fire, send the fire, send the fire. To live a dying world to save, send the fire, send the fire, send the fire. O see us on thy altar lay, 
our lives, our all this very day. To crown the offering, now we pray. Send the fire, send the fire, send the fire. Let's pray. God, we ask for your fire, the fire of your spirit, to clothe us with power from on high. We wait for you, Lord. Send your fire to us. We need your fire to renew us, Lord, to bear the image of Christ to a dying world. We need your fire to equip us for all that we need for mission, for your mission. Would we burn with holy desire for the things of you, for your kingdom to come in its fullness, Lord? We ask that you send the fire. We empty ourselves, Lord. We want to get rid of our old clothes, Lord God, and we want to put on the new clothes that you have for us, Lord, for where you're taking us. Lord, we need to be clothed in strength. We need our clothes to be clean, Lord, to display your splendour, to display your holiness because you are holy. The world needs to see you, Lord, and not us. Christ in us, Christ around us. Christ, we want your name to be known. We want your name to be glorified. Send the fire to us today. In Jesus' name, amen.